Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. That's funny. The first thing that comes up is Steve Sarmento, long-time listener, first-time hanger. And because uh, I didn't have my cameraman thing. Be right. And, and uh, thank you for joining us uh, on our second, uh, our second uh, late-night uh, Lonely Hearts uh, movie hangout. We're talking tonight about The Dark Knight Rises. And our uh, esteemed panel, first of all, uh, we've got uh, the, the uh, inimitable... Uh, Andy Nelson, 
Howdy. Hello. And we've got uh, Chad Stoops, who's joining us tonight as Pissed Off Robin. Hey there. I'm not so happy about this. I think we caught you in mid-brood. <laughs> I'm eating the subway, so is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. That's good. Off. I just I just said pizza. And Steve Sarmento. Steve, uh, welcome to this. You missed us last time. We were so excited I, to have you, and then you uh, yeah. ditched us. I, no, I, I'm sorry. It was my daughter's birthday, so she takes priority. Uh, there, apparently, you have it. Sorry. We know where things stand around here. Priorities. Okay, so, so Dark Knight Rises. Uh, Andy, yes. uh, let's uh, let's let's talk a little bit about this movie. First of all, this, uh, the movie opened with uh, with a, a bit of an inauspicious uh, midnight showing on Thursday night, and uh, I, you know whatever connection. Uh, I know, I, at least, and Steve, I, I don't want to actively leave you out, but I, I can at least speak for, for Chad and Andy and myself that we all have a deep connection to Colorado, and, and all of us grew up there. And, and uh, you know, we were all very present for the, you know, the last time Colorado <coughs> hit with this kind of a, of a crisis, and, and uh, this, is, this brings back some stark uh, memories. Um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily think we need to... Uh, you know, we need to think too much about it. Uh, this was a it was a difficult uh, Thursday night, but um, I think really uh, uh, Christopher Nolan probably said it very best. And then we can we can move on. Andy, do you want to share his statement? Yeah, let me just read uh, read this here um, from Christopher Nolan. He said, speaking on behalf of the cast and crew of The Dark Knight Rises, I would like to express our profound sorrow at the senseless tragedy. Yes. It is profound when Andy pauses like that. Fall in the entire am, I, am I freezing again? Yeah, you did again. Start over because that was good. You had a that good. was a nice dramatic pause. Yeah. I liked it. Speaking on behalf of the cast and crew of The Dark Knight Rises, I would like to express our profound sorrow at the senseless tragedy that has befallen the entire Aurora community. I would not presume to know anything about the victims of the shooting, but that they were there last night to watch a movie. I believe movies are one of the great American art forms, and the shared experience of watching a story unfold on screen is an important and joyful pastime. The movie theater is my home, and the idea that someone would violate that innocent and hopeful place in such an unbearably savage way is devastating to me. Nothing any of us can say could ever adequately express our feelings for the innocent victims of this appalling crime, but our thoughts are with them and their families. And there you have it. Uh, it. It was uh, it was a horrible thing, and we we really our, our hearts go out to to those who were affected and to those who who lost family here in this in this tragedy. So, uh, so uh, that said, the the movie does in fact go on, and it, it went on, and I think by now I I hope I can say all of us have actually seen it. Uh, I think so. I'm getting an echo. That's <laughs> yes. That was, I started actually playing the chat because I'm a professional broadcaster. Uh, the movie went on. I think we have all seen it uh, by now, and uh, and so now let's let's uh, let's start talking a little bit about it. I think uh, uh, you know. Let's. How did this movie stand up? Uh, I was going to talk right to Chad, but he looks like a. 
looks you're, like you're a like, cow right you're now. Like, you're like, like the cow. waiter walking up just as the your uh, your patron takes a nice big bite of the sandwich. Yes, agreed. Yes. Uh, the, que <laughs> the question on, on my mind is how does this movie stack up? Uh, you know, how did this movie stack up to expectations? Uh, how how'd you feel about it? Uh, who wants to go first? Um, Steve, you know what? Steve could go first because he's a okay. go first. Okay. All right. Well, I, I have to say, I, it's it's a I nice. I didn't mean it, to fill you with this much sorrow. No, no. It's it's <laughs> it was a nice closure to the story. Uh, I think you know the the series really peaked with you know part two, the Dark Knight. This wrapped up all the loose ends. It really felt like the closure to that. But I felt like there was such a bigger conflict for the character of Batman and Bruce Wayne in the second film that that should have been there and carried through in this third one, and it just wasn't there as much. There was just he seemed much more absent from this film uh, as far as his role in the conflict of this story was not so much about him but more about the city. So. It's, it is a Batman movie, but he was just not such a presence as he was in the previous film where it's, it's him against the Joker. It's personal. And I felt like this should have been personal because of the way they crafted the story and the connections, but it just was missing something that I felt I was, I was hoping and expecting. Robin, follow up with that. Yeah. Um, I just want to know how, uh, how Bane eats... <laughs> I mean, it's extremely painful. painful. That's what you've got. Yeah, that's what you. That's what. Yeah. That's what you brought. That's your critical analysis. That's right. No, um, no. I think Steve had a point. I mean, I kind of went in there. I, you know, I felt like I was watching it at somebody else's house because the people behind us brought all their kids, and they were all under <laughs> maybe six. Oh, oh gosh. They're asking questions out loud, like, can I pee now? <laughs> and I was like, really? Now? Are you talking this loud? And it was just, oh, my gosh. And then the guy, the father, actually fell asleep 45 minutes into it and started snoring. Wow. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's a long wow. movie. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's what we kept saying, wow. I mean, that was crazy. But um, I thought it was a bit – there was a lot of exp um, explaining in the beginning and a lot of detailed stuff. It seemed like for so much – uh, movie, there's a lot of movie. It seemed like there was almost too much going on for the length of time that it had. There was almost too much. It seemed like it had to have been longer to explain all the stuff. It felt rushed even for me uh, with all the stuff they had to explain. Um, I, I did like uh, the ending when it got to that point, but yeah, man, it just seemed like it was a big, long... It seemed like a book, like he was about to say, you know, um, you'll know it's time to turn the page. <laughs> you know, I just like, it's just from one thing to the next, they were just having big conversations about what was going on. But and it felt, it felt muddy. Is that, I mean, is that where you're, you just felt a, a little bit too convoluted for what a they needed to get across? A little too convoluted. And, to, um, to actually wrap up the story. To wrap up the story, yeah. Now, I want to ask you something, Peter. Are we kind of prohibited are we supposed to say like spoiler alert oh let's do that now <laughs> spoiler alert I'm feeling if you're listening to this yeah. show you're going to be spoiled it's a little early right there are three uh, only three days in uh, and so but yeah i i think we should we're free to spoil. Right. go right. forth and spoil okay. okay you've been warned turn it off <laughs> oh maybe they could like you know for the next couple minutes we're going to spoil something and then they can come back in after we spoil it <laughs> 
Something okay, like. go ahead. So spo- anyway. spoil away. Um, I did know, I don't know why, but I felt like the only reason why um, Gordon Levitt was in it, what, he had to have been Robin, which was cool that they had that in the end. I thought that brought tears to my eyes. I don't know about you guys. Did any other man cry? Were there any other man tears here? Was not that, not at that point. Tears? No, I, I, when, he, when, he goes in, when he gets into the Batcave and he's walking in there and the platform rises up. That yeah, was yeah, it. I, I got was, I got chills. At you first, got a man I, here, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, I did. But when when she gives him the bag and she's like, "Oh, you should use your real name, Robin." It was kind of like a groaner, like, "Oh, really? We're gonna we're gonna do that?" And I mean, I can see it. And I was like, there were a couple points where things were just delivered in ways that I felt undermined the strength of the story. I mean, spoiler yeah. spoiler, you kill Bane on a punchline, really? Yeah. You know, okay. she comes yeah, in okay. and it was like, boom, you know, the no guns thing, and I was like, and that's it. Yeah, that, that's it. I was, I was like, where's, where, where's something else to that? Where's? No, I thought Bane was going to stand up and keep fighting. Like, you yeah. know, that was that was going to weaken him. But I wasn't expecting that to be the final blow. I was like, seriously? Yeah. <laughs> that was. I, I think that that it's fair to say that that was the uh, that was the big low of the movie for me. That was the the yeah. big low. And I haven't. I mean, Andy, you, I, I, we have not talked about this yet. I'm no. curious what you, what your impression was. I can't well, believe I, I, we were able to hold off so long. I know. I, I really liked it, but you know, I agree with what they're saying. And I, unlike Chad, though, I didn't feel it um, like it was. Uh, there was too much story. I felt like at times I felt like they were really stretching it out and making me feel like. I mean, it did feel like a novel at times. Like it felt like. And then the winter came, and you know, and then we had, then you know, five months later, we're we're watching as Gotham's been ruled by these people all of this time, and it felt very, uh, it felt kind of very slow paced after a while, and then all of a sudden, it was about the point when the the food delivery truck came into Gotham, and the like the you know the secret SWAT guys were on it. From that point through almost up until, like, the big fight at the end, it felt very plotty. Like, all of the mm-hmm. stuff felt like yeah. they have to squeeze this in to get this exposition out. And then they have to, you know, that, like, the whole bit. And the SWAT guys only seemed to be there just to get the exposition out about how all of those guys were in hiding all this time. And, and right. building this, you know, this, you know, this rebel force to, to fight the, the uh, Empire. Sorry, wrong movie there. But, uh, <laughs> but wrong guy in the mask. Why not? Let's talk about Star Wars now. <laughs> but, but and and then it and it built, and then there was the the moment with Bane, and then there was the moment with um, and, and I kind of saw the moment coming with um, I don't even remember her name, but uh, the the um, what's her name, the French girl. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't see it coming that she was Ra's al Ghul's, you know, child, but I, I, it was pretty obvious that she was, you know, on the side of, of the, of Bane by that point. And so, you know, I saw that coming and then, you know, it's a, then it just kind of kept, what was, there was yeah, some, how was it obvious to you? That was not obvious to me when she's, when she's, sta- okay, spoiler, she's totally stabs Batman in the kidney. Yeah, I totally. I, I did not see that coming. That was a total okay, surprise well, to me. I me saw too. that coming from yeah. about. Um, you all saw it coming. I didn't. Oh, good. Okay, I, no, I, I, I would have been just as surprised if Batman's child would have stabbed him, and we all go, "Oh, he has a child too." I, 
I mean, it made no sense that his girlfriend stabbed him. I, that made no sense to me. Well, it didn't make any sense, but I mean, the way they were setting it up, she felt very, like, there was just some weird things going on between, like, the Bane, Bane, bring me the girl, and just all that sort of stuff. And the way she, I think the biggest thing for me was those, there's a couple cuts of her when she's standing in the Capitol and everybody's fighting outside. It just, I don't know, those shots just to me struck me as odd, especially when Bane and Batman finally burst through the doors in there. There's only, like, one guy standing there, and it doesn't look like he's really, you know, he's got his gun to her head or anything like that. I'm like, well, of course, because she's the bad guy and she's the trigger man. And so, I, I don't know, I, I just kind of... You're a rocket genius. It, it's not like I knew it from he the is. beginning of the film or anything. So. Yeah. Because you're kind of setting it up that way, like you knew it, like right yeah. the cre- opening credits, yeah. and then you're right. like, ah. Hey, Andy, I, I just want to yeah. say, I, I understand what you're saying. I think what I meant was, I, I didn't, I did think it was long and drawn out. It just seemed like whenever they presented new things, they kind of rushed through the scene with it. And, but there were so yeah. many of them that it seemed like instead of making it so long, they should have taken the themes and, and done something with them as far as like having some more action or something yeah because you can't see batman you don't see batman's yeah. laying around for most of the movie on his back yeah. he's just laying yeah around. yeah i it's mean like what, a late batman story right well look, what really bothered me and it's, it still bothers me is you is that scene on the roof where daggett delivers like the most blatant exposition ever oh the clean slate the thing that will like magically erase your th- you know that's we, we give this, like, horrible exposition. I'm like, who wrote that line? And we're going to spend time explaining that, whereas what the heck was going on in the plane with the scientists, and they're doing a blood transfusion, and it's like, I figure out later on, and I appreciate that I have to piece that together, but to me that seemed more crucial to the story that we're killing this guy off, but we're going to keep him alive, that there should have been some reveal later on about that. I mean, I, I'm smart. I can figure it out. Well then, don't don't spill the you know spell out this clean slate thing, which is just a minor little MacGuffin to give you know Catwoman some some reason to be doing something in this in this film. And it just like you can be really cryptic on one end and then just so blatant on the other in the same film. Just I was like balance those out somehow. Well, you know, I think that's a really I think that's a really good point. And I I I feel like I'm maybe the lone holdout. Like I feel like m- most of it was really well put together and I thought the experience overall was was pretty good. And and you know, we can talk more about kind of how it fits in the realm of the trilogy, but but that point alone, uh, in particular the setup of the scientist and and uh was tricky because the entire first, you know, sort of beat of the film is that giant rescue of or the giant you know takeover and wreck of the plane and it it's made up as a really big deal in terms of just the amount of action that is devoted to this this initial scene and uh, and and it's the, the result of that is this you know this scientist who gets another two lines in the film and ends up being not not as sort of overly critical and i for a series i think uh you know Add that to the list. Add the clean slate to the list, and don't forget we get the exposition again when Batman gets to talk to to Selina Kyle about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know yeah. they just keep ex- you know uh, talking about it and explaining what it is because you know. We now I have a question. The, but but the whole the whole series I think has been so well intentioned that to see some of these moments they feel like they were just sort of forgotten in editing. That that's just kind of how I how I. Uh, I left well, with it okay, let me ask you a question, Pete. What do you think about, or anybody, anybody here, because they they mentioned 
Harvey Dent. And you obviously get to see the Scarecrow and you see Rajah Ghoul. But it's interesting that no mention of the Joker is in it at all. And I was wondering if that was, that had to have been intentional. But from what I understood, there was a lot of extra footage that they had, but they didn't even do flashbacks. And <laughs> do you think do you think that would have been crass? Well, that, that, would that have crossed Christopher? I don't know. Christopher Nolan said that he, because of his friendship with Heath Ledger, that he developed on The Dark Knight, he just felt out of respect for him that he just didn't want to bring that in because he didn't want he didn't want it ever to feel like he was just using that whole thing with Heath Ledger to try. And to that makes sense. Something. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. that's that's really what it was. It had nothing to do with the story. Yeah. It was right. purely having to do with that. Which is interesting. I'm just I look at this story that they have now with Bane, you know, and I'm thinking, gosh, I wonder what the story would have been like had you know, would they have brought back the Joker? I mean, it seems like they would have brought back the Joker. But uh it's just it's just interesting this this whole story of him going into his death and it, even with it starting off with Bruce Wayne, you know, he's he's hurt to a point where he can hardly walk. And the the first half he you know, he can't really fight. And I'm just wondering if that it's just interesting that route that they took. I'm just I, I watched it and I was thinking, gosh, I wonder what would have happened had Heath Ledger been still been alive. You know, would this have been uh you know, this movie that, that would have taken on this whole different realm? Would Bane even be in it? You know, you know on on that point, I mean I, I uh, how does how does Tom Hardy's Bane hit you? I uh, personally I thought it was it, it awesome. was absolutely terrific. Yeah. I thought yeah, he did sure. such a hauntingly good job. He's, it was yeah. riveting. It was really riveting. Yeah. Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. There were still lines that I had a hard time understanding, but <laughs> for the most part, just just yeah. the character and and the way he played it was just it was it was really a terrifying character. Really, I was. think him and Batman should have like just more dialogue together where you can't hear either one. <laughs> <laughs> What are they talking about? He was, you know, it's an interesting character. I, are you? How are you guys with the comic? With the comic lore? Are you? Have you? Are you? Are you the Batman readers? I know. I know we have the, you know, the Spider-Man crowd, but, but I've uh, never read one. I, I, I kind of know the story a bit, um, and and actually read the comics, and and what it was was, I, I, yeah. Well, the, the original story that that I had uh, read was that um, all of the criminals had been released from uh, prison. So like the Joker and Scarecrow and Penguin and Riddler, all of them. And so Batman had to get them back into prison. And then after doing this for weeks, he got them all back and he was exhausted. And coming back, Bane had broken into his place and then beat him up and broke his back. Yeah, that was the uh, the Nightfall series. Yeah, broke his back, and so then he pretty much and Robin took over as Batman for a little while, I think, and and, and kind of roamed the city. I think roamed the cities as Batman, or maybe as Robin. I think it was a different name, but uh, but or took maybe. over the the mantle. Right, right, right. And so then Batman then comes back after recovering, and then beats Bane. But. Um, and it, I, I thought it was interesting and, and totally appropriate, really, given Bane's backstory, that they didn't do the, you know, what they did in the, what was it, 87? The last time we saw Bane in a Batman movie. Uh, gosh, oh. give me who, we, who, who actually played him, that really horrible Batman and Robin. I, that was um, really bad. With Poison Ivy yeah. and Bane, oh, and where, where he had the thing and he actually got bigger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that's originally how it was. He was pumped with steroids, 
Yeah, the the uh, the doc, it wasn't uh, Doctor Strange, but it was uh, or Hugo Strange. It was somebody else, but had been do doing testing of this this, right. this treatment called Venom, and uh, and he had to have it injected straight into his brain, um, and but he he kicked the habit. And but continued to wear the stuff. So they they changed that. Uh, you know now they they've, they've yeah. changed the the origin story for Bane. And I thought it I thought it actually worked really well. Uh, but the the origin story for for Talia Al Ghul, uh, the Talia Al Ghul that in in the comic is not this one. Uh, she was actually uh, quite a. Uh, I, I think she was she was Batman's girlfriend for a while. Uh, in in the comic, it was uh, but a much longer kind of relationship, and I don't think she was ever a terrorist with with Bane. That was a different relationship. Mm -hmm. So they made some questions. They like munged a couple of things together to make a, a new kind of a whole. But right. but in in terms of the the overall kind of uh, backstory of the criminals, did you did you buy it? How did it fit for you? And I think in particular with the first and second movies, now that you see it as a whole piece, how how does it sit? Hmm. Well, I, I mean, I think it was a nice capstone to everything. I mean, you go back to the beginning, you have the League of Shadows, that that whole, you know, sort of plot, you know, that is thwarted in the first film coming to play in the in this final film. And, and you know, Bruce Wayne having to deal with sort of the ghost of Ra's al Ghul and this this, you know, defending the city, which which I liked. It, it was a nice closure because it's it, it goes back to. You know where he started, how he was created, and and moving past that by the end of the film, that he has now been able to put the League of Shadows behind him. That Gotham is safe. He's entrusted it back to the people, possibly. But it's it's that it was a nice closure, and I, I do have to say that I liked Catwoman a lot more than I thought I was going to in this film. I thought if you're gonna, there were a lot of new characters that got thrown at us. Her scenes were. She had a very interesting dynamic to her that I thought that, that, that kept the momentum going when it's like, Bane's given another speech and we've got another trial. And there was a nice dynamic with her. She had some interesting depth and motivation to her uh, that, that kept it going and that dovetailed nicely into the end of the film. So, I mean, yeah, I, I can nitpick all these pieces, but if I sit back and look at this whole piece as the journey of Bruce Wayne, this was a very satisfying way to end it. Yeah. I, I that was that was absolutely my impression too. I started uh, you know I started watching um, the Dark Knight last night uh, to get ready for it, and uh, but I, I you know I didn't watch Batman Begins uh, you know as part of it. But but the the thing that I I found really satisfying is that um, you know we we end up in a in a way this was a trilogy I didn't expect to be a trilogy. You know, because the first two movies yeah. didn't really stand together to me. And now, all of a sudden, the second movie makes sense. We had the journey of Batman in Batman right. Begins, right? The journey of Bruce Wayne becoming this this character. And in many respects, we had to have the origin story of Gotham's 1% crime family. You know, we had to see that in the second right. movie. And, and that was, yeah. you know, if you consider crime its own character, that's what we got in The Dark Knight. And now, you know, in The Dark Knight Rises, we see the, the confrontation, you know, that, that has kind of come to light from that. And for me, that was a very satisfying resolution. Okay. 
<laughs> Whatever, Pete. Keep going. <laughs> I'm sorry. That sounded really, really rude. Um, no, I mean, I, I let me let me ask you this though, because because that's interesting. You said that that the second one didn't seem to make sense. I I felt like the second one made sense. I just felt like. Um, well, let me clarify while you're while you're okay, well, thinking this, real hard. This one does seem I like it, but it's it's so strange how I like it. I like it in blocks. I I I don't know if I like it as a whole yet. I like it in sections. Like I do like Selena Kyle's character. I really like her character. I I had a hard time that they took Alfred, and he just they had that really great scene. The scene yeah. that they had in all three movies now with him not wanting him to fight. Yeah, you know, Master Bruce Wayne. You know, root map. You know, blah blah. Don't leave. You know, Wayne Mama, and I'm supposed to take care of you, and I love you, and, <laughs> and then and it's the same scene they've had all three movies where he, you know, it's like, you know, uh, you know how he owes his family this debt, and then he leaves and gets, you know, gets him some ki- kippers. I don't know what he gets him, and then gets, he gets, gets him some kippers. <laughs> Does he really get kippers? <laughs> Maybe, and he's rich, right? Uh, <laughs> make any sense. Anyway, but then he he left for good this time. He just left, and but he I felt like I I don't know. I didn't like that he left and didn't leave a something. He didn't come back, I, and he just came back to cry again. This yeah. wasn't just a cry. This was a full on Michael Caine snivel. Oh, like was, he was yeah. a, this was full on blubbering Michael Caine. Was, you know you can't. This is the thing. You can't look at that if you have ever seen Michael Caine's video how to act course. Have you mm-hmm. seen his how to act course where he does these things where he says like maybe you're acting. You've got uh, when you really want to have a relationship with the camera, your your accent's much better. You've got to look. At, if you're looking here, then you've got to look, meet the camera with your. Other eye has to be crossing eye, yeah. over to look at the camera. And that's how you acting. <laughs> and that's what you that's what you see at work is, is cross-eyed Michael Caine sniveling Michael Caine at a funeral. That's what you get in this movie. That's exactly. Yeah. But I didn't like that they. I just didn't like that Michael Caine. Michael Caine left. He let Michael Caine no more. Yeah. He just left him there, and then it was just Bruce Wayne training by himself, and I, I didn't, I, I wish that they hadn't done that. Um, I liked, yeah. I liked Selena Kyle. I liked that she was. I think that what I like what Steve said. The cool thing about Selena Kyle is that she wasn't just Catwoman. She was like this. She was a cat. She was a cat burglar, and there was a reason for her being. You would want to call her a Catwoman. Right. That's what made it cool. It wasn't that she's I'm going to play Catwoman. She is right. this uh, this identity, this this per, this person. Mm-hmm. I think what was hard for me is that um, I don't understand why. I kind of understood why Batman trusted her, but I, I think it I, it felt more like I guess I would have liked it if he had to trust her instead of I trust you, because it felt like yeah. he trusted her out of nothing, and I didn't understand. Yeah. Where, where in fact she got the, she actually had to trust him because she had to trust him. You know, the escape yeah. from the rooftop. Like, she right. had to go through that journey, yeah. and he did not. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, I think that's a, a very astute. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, who was, who was I interrupting here? Andy, Steve, were you guys going to jump in? No, I, I agree with Chad. I, I, yeah. you know, I, I really did like Selena Kyle, but that the, there were elements to the relationship that. I mean, I think, and but I think that's how I feel about the film. And you know, 
I think we're all saying this, you know, we're bringing up a lot of the negatives. And I, I think on the whole, I still really enjoyed the experience. I really enjoyed the Dark Knight Rises experience as I've enjoyed all three. Is it my favorite of the three? No, it's probably my least favorite of the three, but I still really enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. There's just there were just a lot of things going on, and I think Chad hit it well. There's there's there were a lot more bads with the goods this time, and I think when you when you look at it in chunks, you can find okay this this didn't work very well, that didn't work very well, this didn't work, but this really worked, and you know, and you'll you'll find all these elements all through. And when you put it all together, it doesn't really add up to a cohesive whole. But it's it still is a fun film. I mean, it still is enjoyable, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, am I am I hearing you say that you you didn't like it uh, as well as either of the first two? Is this is that where we're going with this? That you guys are all saying that you don't like it as well? Yeah, this would be my David. Somebody, <laughs> you've got some meetings going on over there. Yeah, I got. Yeah, there's all kinds of. Things going on in the kitchen, so yeah, it's, which is which is where I am. So I don't think people, small children arguing about something. I don't know. So, but uh, I, you know, I actually I I sort of put this one, you know, in between Batman Begins and the Dark Knight because the Batman Begins is an origin story, and it's and I think this one's connections back to that it harkens back and ties into both films sort of puts it in between. I mean, I think. There's the first one. It's an origin story, and yeah, you've got some things. But I think what gives that movie a lot more resonance for me now is some things that they brought through in this film. I mean, things that caught me off guard that I thought, you know, why didn't I catch that? When when he's in the bottom of that hell pit or whatever we're going to call it, and he's looking up, and he's got that flashback. He's got that flashback to his father coming down, and I thought, yeah. okay, it's hey. that they get back. Nice. Up. We're going to bring those things back again. And I thought. Okay, I there's I'm feeling more resonance to that that story now because we can see how this is his whole you know facing this conflict again. I think it gives more meaning to those films sort of retro retroactively. So I I I think because I've only seen it once, I think it's one that you know piecing together the plot in in those things on a second viewing, I think it's going to hold up a little bit better, uh, and I'm, I'm going to put it sort of in the middle of the three. Is where I'm going to rank it. So are you putting The Dark Knight at the bottom and Batman Begins at the top? Is that your ranking? No, no, no. It'll, it would be Dark Knight. Okay, okay. Dark Knight <laughs> Rises, Batman Begins. Because like I said, you know, when I walked out of this, I felt like to make it a probably poor analogy, but Dark Knight is like Star Wars. It's this personal conflict with good and evil. Yeah. Dark Knight Rises is sort of like, Star Trek, where there's a lot of politics in a much larger world, and they're both great franchises, but one is a much more smaller, personal, you know, conflict. I mean, it's the Joker challenging him on, this is what you believe, and I'm going to push you so far to see if you stand by your guns, whereas Bane is, I'm going to just destroy everything you care about, which isn't as personal, I think. It's not an attack on his morals. It's like, I'm just going to take away everything from you and see you know, it, and see what happens. And it's still, you know, a good story, a powerful conflict, but like I said, that, that personal good versus evil, questioning your morals, to me, will always rise above the more complex, many moving parts. You've got Gordon, you've got the SWAT teams, you've got all these moving pieces, which make for a good story. It just doesn't, I think, resonate the way a nice personal, reflective, you know, moral story does like the second one. 
Yeah, and I think yeah. I just want to say I think that Batman in this one, this is where, <clears throat> this is why I think. Well, in the third one, Batman, in the first one, Batman had something to, he he needed to find himself, you know, and in the yes. second one, it defined what he was searching for in the first one. But the third one was so weird. It was like he lost all of that. Then he lost all of his money. And then he and then he ends up in a hole. But he doesn't – I don't see him – I don't understand who he was in the third one, I guess. Because no, it I, I, Well, it was, also, I think, yeah. it was like a rebirth story. And I think, yeah. you yeah. know, the thing about the hell hole, uh, which, you know, a complete aside, but I, I kept asking myself – how did this guy who has no money and no identification, how did he make it back from Hellhole Land all the way to Gotham City? Yeah. Well, it turns out Hellhole Land is actually, just, it's actually a suburb of Gotham City. Right. Okay, right, right. I don't know if you noticed that. It's a suburb. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, there are a lot of holes that I don't know if you noticed. When Bruce Wayne falls, it's always in a hole. He's good at that. Like, really, his dad's advice, his dad's advice should not be, what do we do when we fall down, Bruce? It's, what do we do when we fall in a hole, Bruce? <laughs> I'm gonna have to be real specific. You That's know crazy. the whole Bruce. <laughs> well, no, I, I think you know. I, I think the point is is right. Is in the second one, it feels like he suffer, at the end of the second film, he suffers a greater loss. Whereas in this one, I mean, yeah, he loses his money, his back is broken, he's lost everything, the city's being destroyed. But I just didn't feel like he really was struggling Fair. with loss because he was still. At the beginning, you set him up as, like, I have no motivation to live. And now it's like, well, that's a really, you know, that's a severe loss. Now, this one is like, look, you don't have any money. And he didn't, it didn't seem to phase him. He's like, oh, yeah. answer my own door. And he's like, oh, I'm in this pit. Well, <laughs> I don't I'll, just, carry I'll, keys. Just, <laughs> yeah, I'll just fight my way out of this hole. And it wasn't like something where he had to sit down and really struggle with. Yeah. Because we'd already seen that. If we saw that again, it'd be like, oh, we're back here again. We're going to see him struggle with some personal sense but, of meaning. But, but see, you know what? I mean, this is this is where – because I think Selena Kyle actually outlines your frustration, which is even yeah. – or not even – it was, it was Marion Cotillard. What was her name is uh, uh, the, the other CEO, uh, Talia, mm. right, before right. we know she's bad. Right. Unless we're Andy, who knew all along. Um, the, what she actually said it. Even the rich get poor, different, right? It, like I don't know what the exact line was. She, she says they're in the house and they've lost power. And she says, you know, even the rich lose all their money or lose everything because he gets to keep the house. That was he loses everything, but he gets to keep the house. Oh no, that was that was Selena. Was that Selena, Selena Kyle? That's Selena yeah. Kyle. Yeah, yeah. I found yeah. that really. I mean, that I think is yeah. a really important because if you don't, yeah. if you're, at, we're we're sitting here. I mean, it's easy to be hypercritical about the the characters and motivations and right. individually, but that's why I think this. The whole package of this film is so uh, it, it's so important because we end up being in this position to look at at uh, I, I think what Nolan has done is made these characters such powerful representatives to what's going on in the world right now, and and in a way we we sort of need the Bruce Wayne side of his character to be blasé because he needs to represent that sort of character evil for us. He needs to represent that so that we buy it when Bane drops the floor out from under Gotham. Yeah. Yeah. But see, I, think, think, I, mean, I guess when he fought Bane okay, here's the thing is like when he goes back, I guess that 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 got me kind of confused. Like along Steve, I get that part, Pete. I get the part that he has to be that guy, the rich he has to be that guy as Bruce Wayne. But what was weird is like it was like watching when he went back into the Batman outfit 
it was like he was it was the first time I've ever seen him go in the Batman outfit as Bruce Wayne still. It seemed like he was in Batman. It when he got into the costume and then he went to go yeah. play the first time and it felt like he was just still Bruce Wayne fighting Bane. And I think that's what was kinda of weird for me. And then when he broke his back it felt like it wasn't until the end where he kinda of got over that back, but I just was wondering what I guess I was lost at why, why he didn't, why you, I, I, he was explaining it, but I didn't quite grasp, maybe you guys understand this, why he was at such an all-time low at the very beginning and continued to sort of carry that through until he had to fight himself out of the hole that he was in. Well, I think Christopher Nolan had said something how, you know, you know, you can. He, people always see Bruce Wayne as two, uh, as two, or you know, Bruce Wayne Batman as two people. Um, but he said it's really three people. There's the three masks. There's the Bruce Wayne mask. There's the Batman mask, and that well, there's the there's the uh, Bruce Wayne public mask, which is when he right. goes out in public. But mm-hmm. then there's the Bruce Wayne private mask, which he says is still really just him as a little boy. Right. And uh, my impression of what he was trying to do with the story, I I, I don't think it ended up working as successfully as he did because but I think it tied in nicely with that hell pit where Bruce essentially had to go back to himself as a child almost to like when he lost his parents and just like Bane he had to be the kid who escaped from the pit and so it was like the first time as Mm -hmm. uh, as himself as Bruce Wayne the child where he was finally able to really climb out of the hole on his own and finally able to kind of become you know, the man Bruce Wayne. And I, I think where essentially like the public Bruce Wayne and the private Bruce Wayne are finally able to merge as as just the person Bruce Wayne. Oh, okay. And, and, and I think that's what he was going for with the film. Yeah. That was my impression. I don't think it was, I don't think it worked as well as as it should have. I don't know if I would have caught that if I hadn't read him, uh, read a, an article where Christopher Nolan talked about those three different masks of... of well, then, the how character. did you, how did you, Andy, how did you then feel, or anybody here, how did you guys feel about the whole up into that point, then? Like, what was he, what was, what was, what was he then? Because it seemed like it was, it didn't seem like he was even really Bruce Wayne, you know what I mean? It seemed like he was just a well, really bad Bruce Wayne. You mean that, like at the beginning, like the whole beginning of the film, like when he's it losing, like he when was, he's in the he process of losing win. the company. Yeah, we lost the company. It's kind of like it was the same in all three movies, where he's like the little kid who has all this stuff that, like, he really doesn't belong there in a suit. I mean, he's just there because he owns it, but then he never takes control of it anyway. Um, but that didn't change. But I mean, I think that you know people kind of walk over him almost because he really doesn't take control of that. But what I'm saying is, like, in the beginning of this one, he is down and out. He's, he's like, you know, doesn't want to go do anything. He's sulky. And then, you know, and then... Sounds like you don't, you don't really like sad people. I <laughs> Are you a sadist? <laughs> what did you guys think of that? No, I, Chad, I, I, I agree with you because there's that scene where he like walks out of the boardroom and I'm expecting like they've sort it seems like, you know, they've, they've plotted something. He's going to turn over the company. And I, you know, it's like, it's like, why is he here? He's like, fine. I resign. And he walks out and he's like, Oh, I don't even have, have car. a car. <laughs> and I was like, where's the payoff? Where's like he, Bruce Wayne's supposed to be like, you know, this intelligent guy, he's got a plan. Things work out. There's, I was like, okay, 
he's thought things through. He's got a backup plan. He's got something. He's always got something to pull out to say, okay, and I'm, I'm covered. And he didn't, but it was like, I kept expecting something because it didn't seem to bother him. Like, eh, I just gave up the company. I don't have a car. And okay. And I'm like, okay, he's got, he's got something. There's going to be some reveal. Alfred's going to come out and they're going to have like the other vat cave from the second movie that's out in the city or there's going to have something. And he, he didn't, he just like mopes around to Selena Kyle's apartment and, and the other yeah. totally sleeping on her floor. Yeah. What, and, what happens and, when we take away Batman's Prozac? That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, I go back to my point. I think we needed to see him. I think we needed to hate him a little bit. I think we needed to resent that part of, of Bruce Wayne. I think that's what, to Andy's point, I think that's, that's uh, you know, that is the side of Bruce Wayne that we needed to see fall as well. So he's dropped into the, you know, to I've been watching Buffy, so I'm going to call it the Hellmouth. He, we took him to the Hellmouth, and, uh, and, and so there he is. And, and lest we note... The Hellmouth didn't actually seem all that scary. Like he had a doctor and a dude to throw his thing back in, and he had his you know, foreign Persian, uh, his Persian advice nurse in the other cell, and the guy who was always holding the rope, his belay rope for him. Like how scary is that? <laughs> so, uh, but we needed that. We needed the business side of Bruce Wayne to fall to represent to represent the the fall of the collapse of the business civilization. That that is part of 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 sort of the cultural uh, depravity that I think Nolan wanted us to but, see but very clearly. There... And then we we also needed to see Batman fall, and he right. ended up in the Hellmouth. And that's what to Andy's point, those two pieces right. needed to come back together. And and I yeah. I think they did very well. But to Andy's point, I'm not sure that I would have gotten it without having okay, well, read okay, as much here's my, here's my question okay going off of what you just said we had to see him fall i agree but he is a man seemed fallen when the movie started like he didn't we right didn't, we didn't see yeah. him fall and that's what what i meant by that i guess is that you know to yeah i mean i guess we saw him rebound and then fall really hard really hard again yeah yeah <laughs> like but that's where it was kind of i guess i was thrown but i get that what you're saying where he had to go as low as he could go but I guess that it seemed like he was already really low when it started. He wasn't like – it just seemed – he seemed broken already. He didn't seem complete. He right. Seemed, yeah. You know. well, yeah, I wanted to, I, yeah. I wanted to see the Bruce Wayne that lost everything, The you know, that mask, that public Bruce Wayne mask. If You know, how does that make him vulnerable? How does that put him in an uncomfortable situation? How does that make him really face – you know, the, the child Bruce Wayne to realize I've got to come to terms with who I really am because this mask I don't have anymore. And that, that didn't happen. Like I said, yeah, uh-huh. shrug it off. No big deal. There was no, no inner conflict with him of like, now what do I do? Because I don't have this public persona to distract from this or to cover for that. It was mm-hmm. just, he could, he could slough it off and it was no big deal. And I think, you know, Chad, you're right. He the, the bigger fall. And I think that was at the beginning when he lost, you know, the people that he loved and maybe that's what, you know, the departure of Alfred was also supposed to play into, but it just didn't come in there. I mean, we're supposed to see. Hello. And there we go. Uh, you froze up there, Steve. Hello, well, Steve. And he had a good point. Thank the departure of Alfred. What we were supposed to see was, you know, was that, that kind of the, Oh, now he's back. There, you're back. back. Yeah, yeah. I'm back. We lost you there. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. But yeah, I just wanted to see the the if we're gonna take everything away from him, Alfred and that whole public Bruce Wayne persona, then 
see him deal with that. He never dealt with it. It, it, it sounds like you're saying we didn't see him quite hurt enough. Yeah, I think so. Right. I mean, th th he had to. There was no challenge for him. It was if it was just if that was the rehabilitation he was supposed to go through in the the, the luxury you know prison you know where he's he sucks <laughs> which, which which turned Bane into this horrible person which Bruce can kind of be like ah, it's like again he's still the public Bruce Wayne I've got my private you know room it's there's people aren't trying to kill him like <laughs> I've got a private room and lest we remember Bane you it turns out were rescued. Actually, it's the little yeah. girl who did the jump. Right. I beat the little right. girl. Right. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. But what I mean, you look how uh, look how brutal it was when the when the little Talia, you know, escapes. The the mob swarms Bane, beats the crap out of him. Bruce, they're just like cheering him on, like go, and then I know. he escapes well, and what? They are. He, he throws like, the rope down like, to them, and they all get out. I guess it was the Tour de France. I mean, people were standing on the sideline, yelling, and all those guys language. chant really well. They chant. <laughs> they have words. their chant down. I can imagine, uh, you know, waking up in the middle of the night to everyone chanting, "Oh God, can people just stop trying to escape for Pete's sake? I'm trying to sleep here." <laughs> not <laughs> once. Did, not once did Bane have any sort of look of, yeah. of realization of saying, God, why did I send him there? Like, how did I put him in? I thought this was going to be hard. I should have put him at a day's end. Like, why, what, that would have been harder than this. Did, did I miss this? But why did he end up with a mouthpiece microphone? What happened? Oh, you did. How did he get that? You did miss that, because they beat his face so bad when the little girl escaped. Yeah. So they, he, he found him. He found a really good mic and speakers somehow. <laughs> when you're going to put the mask on, it has to be amplified right. so you can So you can hear it. Yeah. So you can hear it. I mean, they couldn't yeah. find something a little more attractive. Now, to that, well, to that point, this whole like series, like, think, I, part of it, I, I think, when I, when I hear Steve talking about, the, about his list of hates, um, it, it's the, it, to me, a lot of that is, is, uh, you know, a lot of that, uh, the reward that I get from, from these characters in particular historically comes when in the form of a more comic book, uh, toned film, a more comic book styled film. And, uh, so, you know, if I, if I go back to the Michael Keaton, uh, Batman, um, and uh, the Jack Nicholson Joker, it's a much more of a comic book themed uh, sort of tone. This is, you know, we're very much into, a, you know, these action heroes for, for a new generation. How do you feel like they hold up, uh, you know, stylistically in Nolan's vision? Because, uh, it, you know, you look at Bane, it, there is a function for that mask. Like, there's a reason he's wearing that mask. It's a utility to him. He can't survive without it. Uh, there's a reason Catwoman... Her, the, I, I loved the production design of yes. all of these costumes. They were stunning. Yeah. And the reason it looks like she has cat ears is because the goggles are kind of pointed. I mean, that was so such a nice touch. Uh, how do you feel like, like Nolan's stylistic vision holds up with these in this genre and with these characters? I think it's great. I think, I think they... Um, he's always found a very kind of down-to-earth, gritty realism style of, of how he's created these characters where they could almost exist in a real world. You know, none of them seem um, beyond the uh, realm of what a, a regular human would be capable of. You know, they all do things that just like regular people do, uh, despite, you know, the weird breathing apparatus and things like that. But I, I, I really enjoyed how he's done all of them, Scarecrow, yeah. Razal Ghoul, all of them, I think, yeah. are very unique. Yeah. So very down to earth. 
No, it, it, except for this one. I mean, at this point in this film, when he's got the the. <laughs> this oh. was an important point. This one. I know this. This is the one that's going to hit. He's going to hang his reputation on this next point. Oh, seriously. So wait for it. It's a Cisco Ebert moment. Uh, wait for who it. Who can no, afford it? Who, oh, Bruce Wayne is the only person I can think of that afford, can afford some really cool helicopter thing. So clearly, Bruce Wayne must be Batman because who else in this city can afford this? You know, really advanced flying crap. You know, the 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 Batmobile, the Batpod, which I loved to see the return of the Batpod in this film, especially Selena Kyle cruising around on that thing. That was awesome. That was awesome. This, this hovercraft airplane thing. How come all those cops aren't going, holy crap, it must be Bruce Wayne because nobody else could afford something and like that. And we are still driving Crown Victorias. Yes. <laughs> there is no reason. There's no justice. <laughs> the old cop cars with the, you know, back in the... This guy is flying yeah. up the sides of buildings. Yes. <laughs> How did he get that? Well, you know, part of that, I, I really... There was some of... of that that we are, I think, to take uh, to take a bit uh, on faith, uh, and I think he's asking, and Nolan is asking us to take on faith yeah. in terms of character development of these particular characters. I mean, Bane historically, I I think, uh, you know, when Bane was first written, he's written as a brilliant, brilliant tactician, right? He's he was mm-hmm. experimented yeah. upon, but he was a horrifyingly smart character and since in the in the you know since then he's kind of been made goofy in mass in sort of the mass uh, uh, media uh, and and so I, I think they he, he went back and said you know we're gonna assume that Bane has figured out a lot of things about Bruce Wayne and Batman and yeah. puts a lot of pieces mm-hmm. together yeah. Um, yeah. and I you know Frey, I, I like that I, I like that approach so no, I, I love that that scene with Daggett where Daggett says you know hey I paid you all this money and he's like and why does why do you think yeah. that gives you power over me? Yeah. I mean, that was just this. I mean, that was. But he says, "I'm in charge." Do you yeah, I'm in charge. charge? Exactly. <laughs> I love that. You know, got chills because it's just like, oh, you know, it's, this money doesn't buy you everything. We're going to take right. all that away from you. It was uh, that was the aspect of Bane that really, I mean, it made him a good foe for Batman because it, he's a he's an intelligent man. He's he plots things out. He's always a couple steps ahead. When they drop the ceiling down and they're underneath the armory, it was like. They've just taken everything. I yeah, mean, yeah. we're real, you know, he, Batman. He's just he's lost everything at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I honestly, I didn't see that one coming. It caught me off right. guard. I was like, whoa, I they're they're screwed. They are so screwed because you know, Fox has brought everything into that room. That was what they were hoping to keep secure from Daggett, and now Bane's got it, and they're gonna just run rampant over the city. It was, mm. uh, yeah. I, you know, despite all these other pieces. Bane, the, that characterization of Bane, it, it stuck with, you know, true to the grittiness of the story. I remember when Batman Begins came out, my brother saw it, and I said, you know, how is this reboot? And he said, um, do you remember when, you know, the Michael Keaton Batman came out, how it made, you know, Adam West seem so campy? He said, this Batman makes Michael Keaton seem as campy as we thought Adam West was. And that that's, I think, just held true through all three of them. It just makes that those 80s, late 80s, 90s versions just look so cheesy because That's, this is just do. so, so, so gritty, so real, and still grounded in reality and plausible. Yeah. Yet, yet the bad guys still put the nuclear device in one of three trucks that they just drive in, in the same circle over and over. Eccentric circles. Yes, yes. <laughs> 
it's not this one. It must be the one over there. Let's and then, get and then yes. for five months to catch this one, but the other one we're just gonna jaw. <laughs> uh, can I ask a question? Because maybe I was a little confused. My my understanding was that this this nuclear device was. Um, going to blow up eventually anyway because of the decay rate within it, which, as I recall them saying when they first, you know, uh, they made it become a, a nuclear device, they said this is uh, this this will probably blow up in about five months or so. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. But but then by the time you know five or six months roll around, all of a sudden it's got a timer on so they know exactly when that decay rate is going to end. And, and yeah, that was like, the... When the gonna, we only rate. have 12 hours left. It's like, I, it's, it's, it was, I thought it was like this somewhere around... Yeah, we have months. about 12 hours left uh, yeah. until we have 11 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> At that and then point, we are yeah. locked in. Well, yeah, Andy, then Andy. when it was about five minutes, then that five minutes went on for about 20. So, so Andy, <laughs> you, didn't, you must have gone to the restroom and then you, saw, you went to the bathroom and they, when they saw that they showed the timer and it said about six months. Oh, right. <laughs> I, I did. I missed that's right. That's when they went to the bathroom. It was very okay. clearly on <laughs> about five months, about yeah, four weeks. And then I was like, okay, but wow. this was designed as a fusion device to like create free energy. Why right. would they put a timer on? On the off chance someone does decide to make it into a nuclear bomb, no, no, that's the case. That's the timer on it. That's how you make it into a nuclear bomb. You just take the thing off, and then the Russian puts a timer on it and shoves it back in, and that's how it's a bomb. That's all it takes. Originally, originally it was a clock, and they just took the clock off, turned it over, and now it's a bomb. That's right. No, no, if it was used for good, it would have been about six months, and then we would have had free energy. Ah, right, right, and and, and pansies. Yes. <laughs> I want the free energy now. All right, all right. Let's do. I want to do a quick, uh, uh, a quick change. So let's do. I know Steve has already said that the, that he's put this. This is going to be his. Um, what did you call it? Was it your Empire or your Star Wars, or your Jedi? <laughs> what? <laughs> There's no Ewoks in this thing. What do you? Well, I guess the orphans are, but okay. the orphans are the Ewoks. The Ewoks. Now, so it, it's it, they yeah. have a little Yub Nub song at the end. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's yeah. I rank this one in the middle. You right. know, up, you know, middle of the batch. All right, Chad. Uh, we have to rank. <laughs> you weren't prepared for that. I know. I'm sorry. Um, I think it's. Batman Begins. No, I think it's a Dark Knight. Batman Begins. Mary Poppins. And, and then, then this, this one. Oh. Huh. No, no, no. Um, you're you're kind of a sassy little jerk. Aren't you? Sassy, aren't I? He's, he's pissed off Robin. Too. You are pissed off Robin. Oh. oh. About, okay, finish your ranking. Do this. Pissed off Robin. Finish. No. Um. Okay. I I think I think I would rank it like this. I I think it was uh, the Dark Knight. Um. The very. Uh, the pieces of this movie are the second one. <laughs> Batman Begins, and then the rest of this movie that I don't very much. So Chad, listen, the, the Dark Knight, scene 14B, yeah. scene yeah. 27. I'll send you. Yeah, there's there's going to be like a an ode to Back to the Future style re-edit of this That's movie. Right. The Chad re-edit. I like uh, Andy, where where do you fall on this one? This this would be the third one down. It would be under right. Dark Knight would be on top, and then Batman Begins, and then this. But again, not to say that I don't like it. I mean, I really like the film. I just think that the other two 
are more solid for me. This one is the one that had, I mean, it has so many great elements, but it also had a lot of the weakest elements um, that just, I mean, the plottiness uh, of once we got toward the, the third act, everything was just like, oh, God, that just felt like a whole scene of exposition. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. what just happened? Uh, yeah, so, yeah, that would be it for me. What do you I, think, Pete? Well, I, you know, I, I need to see it again. I, I, I f- yeah. I'm having a hard time sort of now that you guys, mostly Steve has made me nearly hate this movie. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, uh, you know, I, I thought yeah. I, I thought I was liking it a lot until I talked to you guys. But I, you know, generally I, I walked out this morning being really genuinely affected, not just by the character story, but I felt like the sort of political story and the emotional story I thought was very, very strong, uh, except Michael Caine. And uh, and so I feel like, uh, you know, as a result of that, this one, this one's kind of right at the top. But I, I have a hard time separating my love for The Dark Knight and for Heath Ledger's performance yeah. from the deep sadness yeah. that I have that Heath Ledger is not here anymore, you know, to, yeah. to share his performances. Yeah. And so, you know, I feel like that gets a, a, a maybe a little bit of an inflation in my love for The Dark Knight. I, I very much see these, the second two movies as a single piece. Uh, and and I think they are they are going to be best served together uh, in a six hour marathon and and the first Batman Begins sort of stands on its own. Uh, I, I, I think you have to put Batman Begins. Uh, I think it has to tie in. I mean, I I actually really like. I think Steve said it earlier how well they made um, the third film yeah. tie in so well to the first and second. Like all yeah. the stuff with Ra's al Ghul and the League of Shadows. And finally, the completion of, of Ra's al Ghul's um, goal from the first film. I, I thought that was just such a. Um, a great it, you know that it, that is a, a great point, and and uh, you know, and I, I guess I I wasn't necessarily talking about the overall sort of story arc from the three films, but uh, but you're absolutely right, and and the, this is really elegant. And to that point, uh, I I want to talk a little bit about how this movie ends. Uh, yeah. What, what comes next? Because uh, my interpretation of Nolan's words all along, where I'm going to do a trilogy mm-hmm. that is uh, that is a Batman trilogy, and I'm going to invest my time, and when I'm done, it's done. I don't feel like it's done. I feel like next we have, uh, you know, we have an opportunity for, uh, you know, another Batman movie, and this time, you know, maybe we get a Robin. What do you guys? Well, what, do you, what do you? If you're putting on your, you know. Crystal ball hats. What do you see? I think that he's done making yeah. them. I, I think what he was doing was setting it up saying there can be more Batman movies out there. There can be more Batman. It's a story it'll it's a story that'll never end. And whether um whatever we get a reboot one, in about, you know, three years. Yeah, and I hope we get another origin story because man, I just love these origins. I love story. origin story. <laughs> <I'm> another one. <laughs> no, but but I but the idea of um whether the guy Robin, whatever his you know, Robin the man, whether he becomes Robin or takes on the mantle of Batman, either way I think is fine. You know, I, I just I, I liked all of that. I thought it was a nice little touch. Personally, I, I kind of thought it would have been so much bolder to actually have it end with him dying. I when that whole thing happened, I was like, yeah. oh, that's that's a ballsy yeah. end, and I yeah. can't believe yeah. he went there. And I'm so excited yeah. that he did. I was, a li- I honestly, I. I... Andy's gonna say he was disappointed about something. 
Yeah. As much as I really enjoyed it. No, I was choked up, but I, 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 was, I was like, oh, I wish that they just left it with that. And I wish that we didn't have to have the scene of Alfred, the whole little, oh, I see you, but I don't really see you. Hot doodaloo. Um, you got a whole little bit. Uh, <laughs> and, Andy, my I, dream come true. Yeah. yeah. Michael Shane's dream. Yeah. Andy, I agree with you 100% on that. I thought, I thought for sure they, they, Nolan took that step and offed Bruce Wayne at the end. But after, you know, sitting with this, you know, I saw it this morning, you know, that that scene, you know, and as you said about the three masks, Bruce Wayne has shed those two other masks. Yeah. He, right. he no longer needs Batman. He no longer needs the public Bruce Wayne. Right. He can be, he's, he's found himself and he's found that happiness that Alfred always wanted. And I'm, I'm content with that. And I'm, I, I think I don't want to see any more films. I like Bat, you know, Robin has taken on this mantle possibly, but I think what, what we've seen through this, these stories is that there's this symbiotic relationship between Gotham City and the, the, this protector figure as Batman because the fir- Batman begins. We've got all this corruption going on. We get these eight years of peace, and then it starts, it starts up again. We've got, the, we've got the wealthy up here again. Instead of it being the, the mob necessarily that's corrupt, we've just got you know, the really wealthy that have, you know, are trotting you know, the, the poor. And so we've got this discrepancy and there's there's some need for smoothing that out and i think it's nolan saying we will always need these type of people you know there's this need in society to balance it out we don't need more stories it's that's what keeps things moving forward and i'm just happy to to let it end and no more need for this universe look forward to a reboot of of you know different incarnations but i think this capped it off nicely, and I don't need to go back to this world again. Hmm. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I, as much as I would love to see, uh, yeah, no, and I Gordon Levitt. Yeah, you know, I, I, I like, I like him, and I've like, I, you know, I, I like watching him on screen, and and I, I'm interested to see how he would take on a character like that. But I, this is this this one really is packaged so nicely. Yes, mm-hmm. it yeah. is. How, so let's just, we, this is an obscenely long conversation. We are now way over our, uh, <laughs> our, our time. But I do, since I have, you know, the board together, I'm very interested <laughs> in hearing uh, brief comments. Don't, you're not going anywhere, Chad. Don't even. I, I, here, I want to show everybody something real quick. All right. <laughs> I'm wearing it. Well, he and rose too. The Dark Knight. You just rose. The Dark Knight rose on your chest. Yeah, there we go. Yep, there he is. And and, and it's unfortunate that you'd be doing that because I'm about to change the conversation to Spider-Man. Awesome. I'll, change, I, I'll get another shirt on. Hold I on. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to hear uh, just briefly uh, your thoughts on on uh, the the Amazing Spider-Man uh, in in our our new universe. Have not. Chad is dying. Look at him. He's eating. You haven't seen it, Steve. Have not. Have not seen it. I've. I have mixed feelings because it's one of those why, and yeah, I don't know. It just seems like too soon. Too soon. I mean, before the Dark Knight Rises, saw the the preview for for Superman. You know, Man of Steel, which I'm excited about because it's been a long time since we had like a decent Superman film. I just watched. Uh, a couple months ago, the you know Christopher Reeve Superman, and then the Richard Donner cut of Superman Two, and I'm like, this this is this is a great Superman story. We got that thing you know a decade ago, and it's time. 
Spider-Man, you know, Spider-Man, the first two with Tobey Maguire, still fresh, still hold up. I didn't see the need to do a, a, a third one. So I'm, I'll wait for DVD or Netflix or something. I'm not that excited to have to go see that. I would have been more interested to, if it had woven more tightly into the, the Marvel Avengers universe to, to do something with it. Hmm. I, yeah. You know, I wasn't excited either, but um, it, it may be my favorite of all the Spider-Man movies. And I, the first really? and the second wow. one, I love to pieces, uh, but I, I was not looking forward to it, but I think they did everything right. So I would wow. see it in the theater yeah. if you get a chance. Okay. All I, right. I would I'll, agree I'll with that. that I, it's, it mm-hmm. is, it, it, now that it's aged on me a, a, a little bit, it's, uh, it is absolutely at the top. And I think, you know, for me, uh, I, I, I got to tell you, Andrew Garfield is the Peter Parker I have imagined all my life. Like yep. from the very first time I cracked open a comic, like he he plays the awkward seventeen-year-old kid in a spider suit as well as as I've ever seen it. Okay. Yeah. And and you know what is the the most touching point? And and Chad, I'm, I can't wait to hear you kind of echo this. The most touching point for the whole movie to me is all the swinging and all the awesome is going on. But the the point that that I think about that really represents this movie is uh, is um, uh, Gwen Stacy and him in the mm-hmm. hallway of their high school trying to ask each other out on a date. Oh yeah. That is mm-hmm. that is the the absolute character highlight of this movie, and it's it's one that it's just ah. Uh, just gets you every time. I, oh, it's yeah. terrific. He was like, like, and I think that's why. Like, just Steve, if you see this movie, you get to see it. The other, the first two movies, granted, they were great movies, and even Doctor Octopus was great. But I always felt in watching, um, and watching uh, those movies with Tobey Maguire, that he was just a cute kid, and he wasn't. Uh, okay. guy, but he didn't understand that the person that Peter Parker is is this guy that is, is. He is awkwardly. He does not like how awkward he is. He wants so much to have a regular life, and he's incredibly intelligent. Um, but he doesn't have what he feels like he needs. And there's a sense of he sort of grows into what we know as Spider-Man through all the mistakes he makes that are are, are mistakes that 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 come from a man wanting to belong. And through that. Okay. He, horrible mistakes in the beginning with his uncle and these things, and we feel for him because it wasn't intended to hurt anyone. It was just out of this frustration of who this awkward kid was trying to you know, evolve into, and that's what allows him to be Spider-Man and what allows him to, to face his regrets later on. It like builds, and that's why we love the stories, because everybody has that, and that's why I think Andrew Garfield sure. did such a good job, because that's the guy that I loved when I was growing up, and when I saw Tobey Maguire do it. The first thing I felt was like, he didn't get that. I don't care for Peter Parker like that. I don't care. Okay. Yeah. And so when you see this, you'll see that. And Peter was dead on right. It's like he's the guy that you've always wanted to see play. And Okay. Yeah. If you get a chance to watch it. Look well, at I'll, I'll put it on my must-see list then. You know, these are the glowing recommendations. That's, you know, there's, there's, not a lot of, there's not a lot else out there that's coming out that, you know, I'm, I'm you know, must yeah. be in the theater, being. so that that's uh, I'll definitely make time for this one. Then. The, yeah, the, the the real trick about this one, I, I think, for me, just to to wrap at least my point, I didn't realize uh, 
I wasn't able to put sort of a, a, a finger on what I didn't like about uh, Tobey Maguire's perf- sort of portrayal of that character. Not what I didn't like about it, but what I didn't connect with. Because I think he did a great job, and those movies are terrific, and I, I yeah, really yeah, do yeah. like them. Yeah. But but when I saw The Amazing Spider-Man, I got it. Like, everything locked into me okay. for me. Yeah. It was like, it made sense. It, this okay. This is... This is a, it yeah. is first and foremost because the swinging around is swinging yeah. around, and there's some right. really great swinging around stuff. But right. but you know they, they he really you can tell deeply cares about this character. And I don't mean to put down Tobey Maguire. I mean I think he did. Right. I mean, he knew how, but like he was interviewed. Yeah, he's a nice guy. He's here right now. He, yes. <laughs> Tim was like, how do you feel about me again? <laughs> no, no, no. But he I, he had never read the comics growing up. He even said it. And, and so right. you know, yeah. he wasn't personally connected. Um, Andrew Garfield, kind of like me, grew up wanting, uh, feeling so innerly intertwined with this guy, kind of like Peter was saying, like that you, you know him, you feel him, and when you read the comics, you relate so closely to him that when you see the, the movie, that's all you're hoping for is to see this guy go through that. That's all you want to see because all the, all the rest is just fluff, you know? But that's what makes him better a lot than some of these other characters that are rich or that are have already their powers or whatever. Yeah, he's sort of unique in that way. Right. And and to that point, uh, I think Chad's point makes me think of something more specifically. I think in that light, we needed this origin story again. That's that light. Yeah. Okay. We needed All to right. see Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker go through this again. I think that's important. Okay. And hopefully, All will right. be important in the next few mu- movies. Yeah. All right. Gentlemen, uh, do we have any closing words? Uh, well, I just want to say that that uh, that uh, the, the one thing about Spider-Man, the last thing I want to say is that that uh, Andy and I got to be kind of in that Spider-Man movie, sort of. We were there for those, and uh, and and probably the best. One of you, we, you had some shoes in the movie, right? And we had one of you got exploded. <laughs> uh, something yeah. like that. You can yeah. kind of not see us. <laughs> you, can, you can really not see us. But yeah, really. <laughs> but when, before that movie came out, I followed for years, and and Andy and I had followed for ten years before that actually, and I actually sent an audition tape to the casting directors for that film, and uh, and they that saw that and everything, tape. and I and it's a great tape, so <laughs> full of juicy stuff. But, uh, but but it's just it is kind of a neat yeah, on that note. I think for us, Steve, when we're talking about, there's so much other emotion coming from us. Sure. <laughs> What do you see it? That's what you're feeling, probably. You know, at least okay. from my end. Um, but yeah, I would I would see it just on on the on the idea to see the character, I guess. And okay. Like but yeah. And the web shooters are actually pretty cool. Yeah, the web shooters. They're back. They were cool. Yeah, they were cool. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, cool. All right, everybody. Uh, Steve Sarmento, thank you so much for joining us for. Uh, yes, thank you, Steve. Hey, no. for joining us. We really appreciate. No, it. It was a pleasure, and look forward to the next one. Excellent. Uh, and Chad Stoops, as always, uh, actor, comedian. I think and I just man. made you a girl. That's right. I think I'm you sorry know. about that. <laughs> actor, comedian. Comedian. Yeah, it does. It does sound like a female version. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to see you. It looks like you've gotten a haircut. I should have made a comment that earlier. It looks like you got I a haircut and then and went to bed immediately. And then just didn't comment, right. <laughs> I, I still don't comb my hair before these, and I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. It's character. And uh, Andy Nelson, uh, Andy Nelson, uh, good to see you again. feel like yeah. I just talked. We're in the middle of our Bourne trilogy. We are gearing up for uh, the Bourne 
Legacy, which is coming out in a couple of weeks. And so uh, you That's catch right. the podcast. You can listen to the Bourne, uh, listen to us. Uh, it, it's drawn on uh, about the Bourne movies. They're fantastic. Uh, and so we'll be gearing up. I think we'll probably do another one of these, right? For, for Legacy, Andy? Uh, that's what I was hoping. Yeah, yeah I think so. so. Yeah. Uh, All right. Okay. So we'll get the board together again for right. uh, for Born Legacy uh, in a few good. weeks. So be on the lookout. And uh, make sure to like us up on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash movies we like, the brand new fancy uh, Facebook page that we put up. Uh, you can always catch all, all right. the old shows at rashpixel.tv slash MWL. Awesome. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us. Right. I'm going to end the broadcast. Have a good night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Here on the Film Board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash originals and get your next read today.